My name is Eli. My dad listens to Zen Parenting Radio. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. That was Eli. Hi, Eli. And his dad listens to Zen Parenting Radio. That's cool. On last week's podcast, we invited our listeners to have their kid uh, do exactly what Eli just did. So did he go to the Facebook page and then do the voice no, memo? No, they just emailed me. Ah. I'm sure he stuck the phone in front of his kid's uh, mouth and said, say what you say, and then he just emailed it to me. So I invite all you people out there that have cute little kids to do the same because it's fun. Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. Yeah, or comments, but yeah, Todd is probably faster. Um, so this is Zen Parenting Radio. What is Zen Parenting Radio? <laughs> Wait, first left? of all, why are you wearing your coat? I don't know, because uh, I... I just decided to. You look like you're going somewhere. I'm right here. I just finished watching Beauty and the Beast, and it took all of my courage to stay awake the whole time. Your courage? All of my wherewithal. Okay. What's Zen Parenting Radio, you may ask? It is a podcast where you will feel outstanding, and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. This is episode number 373, I think. I don't even know. But if it's not, you'll figure it out. On today's show, helpful. paradoxes. Yep. It was helpful, wasn't it, sweetheart? <laughs> it's fine. Paradoxes, yes. Right, but don't get into it. Oh. Tease it. Oh. What, what, what is a paradox? Well, we're going to talk about how you just need to comfortably hold your paradoxes. What is a paradox? Oh, what is it? Yeah. It's two things that are like polar opposite of each other, but both are true. That sounds weird. I know. That's why it's a paradox. That's why we're going to talk about it. Um, so a few of Todd's quick takes. Oh, boy. Are you ready for my quick yes. takes? First thing is there's a uh, TV show out there that Kathy and I don't think we're going to watch, but everybody seems to be talking about it. Uh-huh. It's called 13 Reasons Why, and this is a uh, Netflix TV show Oops, sorry. that follows teenager Clay Jensen and his quest to uncover the story behind his classmate and crush Hannah and her decision to end her life. Mm-hmm. That's that's the basic synopsis, and it's about 13 episodes. So uh, I might change my mind, but I just don't want to watch it, Okay, basically. Uh, but everybody seems to be talking about it. So I'm going to give a resource to our listeners okay. um, in case they're interested. Our good friend John Duffy, who was at our conference, and um, he has been on our show a few times, and he's just an amazing guy. He also has a podcast mm-hmm. called Undo Anxiety. And his format is he actually interviews somebody. So he, was, he interviewed this girl, woman, who's 18 years old, and they talk about the documentary, the goods, the bads, the pluses, the minuses. The only thing I will say is um, it's not a show for young kids. Who, John's show or no, 13 Reasons 13 Why? 13 Reasons Why. Correct. Oh, for sure. John's show. Because some people don't even know what this is. Oh, okay. So I feel like we at least should tell them that it's for, whatever, juniors in high school uh, and They're above? suggesting 16 and above. Okay. So interesting. Um, Todd and I, like three weeks ago, we were going to talk about this show, yeah. but then we realized we'd have to sit down and watch it. Or at yeah. least I was like, I can't talk about it unless I really see it. I bought JC the book. Uh, she and I went to Barnes and Noble, I don't know, it was like three months ago, and she wanted the book. And so I said, sure, you can get the book. And she got it. And she, as she was reading it, she was telling me about it, and we were talking about it. And then I'm like, oh, this is on Netflix. And she's like, I know. That's why I knew the book. And she hasn't watched it yet. Um, but I told her if she's going to, I'd like to see it with her. Or if, she, if for some reason, 
she and I don't sit down together that we'll converse about it. Right. And again, she's already read the book. So she, the inform, but I've heard, um, as I'm sure John's podcast says, and, and those of you listening, if you're on social media, you've probably seen this movie, this Netflix movie, uh, you know, everybody's talking about it. And really it's because it was portrayed in such a way that it's, um, it's very graphic. Mm -hmm. So even though the story could, they could have done something different, meaning they could have kind of told the story and kind of been like, let you use your imagination of what happened. It was actually very graphic. And I think a lot of parents have been surprised, especially, you know, because so many kids are watching this. And when I say kids, I mean like 10, 11, 12 year olds. Well, and this is what I texted John uh, and I said, I don't know if I should watch it. I don't really watch all that much TV to begin with. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I want to, you know, invest 13 half hour episodes or I don't know how long they are. And he said, it's worth watching. And as a Netflix whodunit kind of story, the plot is pretty darn good. It's well-written, not sounding like adults acting like teenagers, yet so much of what takes place is both disturbing and wildly inaccurate relative to, ac- relative to the actual world of a suicidal teen. So to my thinking, it's definitely worth a watch. Definitely not uh, a bummer throughout, but horrible in its way too. Can't pretend it's not. But he says the thing is every kid on earth is watching it. Correct, which is why it's one of those things where as a parent of a tween or teen, if your kid is watching it, at least figure out what's happening or watch it yourself or ask if you can watch it with them or read the book and just be knowledgeable. I mean, it's one of those things that your kids definitely know what it is. Right. So they're, you know, and again, even some fifth, sixth and seventh graders do. Uh, I know my 12 year old knows what it is, but we, that's, it's not going to happen right. with her, at least on our watch that, you know, you never know right. when kids, they sometimes go about their own way. Um, but we have, um, we have said that uh, JC can, um, but and with is she, supervision. Is she planning on it? Yeah, she plans. She hasn't watched it yet, but oh, she would okay. like to. Um, so, but what I want to say is that just so you know, like there obviously the uh, the suicide that takes place, um, some people are saying and some psychologists and a lot of people have written about it said that it's kind of like one of those fantasy kind of situations where, uh, you know, a teenager commits suicide and then, you know, gets everybody back. So mm-hmm. it's like a revenge scenario. Yeah. And that's not really how things go. Right. And also that there are some date rape scenes. Um, and so there's some serious business in here. So um, Not for the light of heart. Correct. So as Todd said, listen to uh, John Duffy's podcast and assess for yourself. Yeah. Um, so the next uh, quick take I have is you and I went to go see Dr. Shafali last Wednesday. Uh-huh. And she's our friend and she's awesome. And as when we left... Um, one of the things I thought about while Shafali was talking to us is when one uh, parent sees another parent either at the soccer game or picking up from school or whenever, or even an acquaintance that you don't really know very well, uh, we will usually kind of fall to the question of, well, how are, how are things with your the kids? The small talk becomes about your children. Right. And the question that I always get and even give, it is what's going on with child A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And I, and actually we talked about uh, this with John Duffy and when his wife was here with us is how we automatically go to resume building, Mm -hmm. basically tell them, tell the fellow parent what their, what extracurricular uh, things the kid is doing. We just say what activities our kids are in. Or even their, what their grades are. What their Mm -hmm. grades are and all that. And I can't stand that, but it's a hard habit for me to break. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. Um, 
I just talked to my brother um, yesterday, mm-hmm. and he's like, how, how are the girls? I want to know what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I just got out of Shafali's presentation, we just had this conversation, mm-hmm. I just, I started listening. And w- one thing that you and I talked about upon exiting Shafali's thing was like, I was like, what else can I say? Mm-hmm. Can you remind me what you told me? Well... I, what I said is I had just had a conversation with someone the day before. I think I had had coffee with somebody. Yeah, Lisa. And she was saying, how are the girls? And what I found myself saying was, um, you know, my 14-year-old, um, you know, she's finding that, you know, things are changing for her. She's growing up. She seems so much more mature. Um, her, I can tell that responsibility comes more naturally to her. Things have, you know, really shifted. I said my middle daughter, she's definitely in that world of, you know, figuring out the hierarchy of groups and seeing things from a different perspective. I, I've noticed there's a big shift from fifth to sixth grade. And I said, and my third grader, you know, she's just starting to recognize the things that she has to get done on her own. Like it was very... Uh, I don't want to say it was generic because everything I said was true, but it had nothing to do with achievement. It had more to do with who they are becoming, not through their necessarily successes, but as human beings. Yes. And and that can be not our typical response just because I think when people ask the question, we feel that we're supposed to like throw all this stuff out there that demonstrates what a successful child we have. And what successful parents we are because our kid is doing all these things. So I I should just kind of like be honest about it. The the thing that, um, although I am part of the you know annoyance that I have because I do the exact same thing. You participate thing. in I it. I participate in it. Thank you. Um, the reason it bugs me is because our kids are not who their extracurriculars are. Just like we're not what we're our jobs doing. Are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just you know. So, anyways, I just. Well, and what's more interesting, like, you know, like the conversations I love to have with people is like, what kind of person, you know, what, are, you know, and again, that can have interests in it. Like, you know, my kid has really enjoyed fishing or my kid is really starting to be outside more. Or, my kid is really recognizing nature or my kid is becoming a vegan or, you know, those things are interesting because it kind of demonstrates what kind of person they are. I think the thing that it's not about that you, it's not that you can't say things that are, are maybe things that you're proud of. It's just, it's not just about my kids on the honor roll. My kid is Mm -hmm. on the top soccer team. My kid, because that's not, to me, that's not super interesting. It doesn't tell me much about your kid. It's like a social crutch. It is. And we just kind of fall to it. So, um, so anyways, the invitation to myself and to anybody listening is next time, because I get that question every week, Mm -hmm. whether it's with a coworker or a customer or whoever, is figure out something else to say. Well, and play with it. Not, you know, you figure out something else to say in an authentic way. You don't come up with some elevator speech about this is what I'm going to say about each kid necessarily. But another thing that I often do if I'm talking to people close to me is I talk about my relationship with that daughter. Yeah. Like she and I just went to blah, 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 blah together. And yeah. I'm finding that this daughter really likes to see Broadway plays. And I'm finding that this daughter really likes to spend time alone. Again, to me, that's interesting. I don't know if the person listening finds it interesting. Um, Maybe they are looking for more of a resume, but I just find that to be, you know, because that's what's really fun about watching our kids grow up is what kind of people they're becoming. Well, I just got back from Beauty and the Beast, and uh, I tell you, it was a good movie, um, and I tried to look at it with a fresh set of eyes Mm -hmm. because I don't like musicals. And I'm like, well, maybe I am now at the stage of my life where I can appreciate songs throughout a movie. Mm -hmm. So I really tried to kind of look at it with a fresh set of eyes. I can't. 
You don't have any. The fresh songs eyes? are the worst part of a musical. Like oh I gosh. like all the acting scenes. It's an interesting story. You got this beast. You got this bell, and you got the dad, and you got Gaston. It's really interesting. Gaston. Half of it is songs, and they're like, duh, it's a musical. I can't do it. I mean, well, I'll do it, but I can't appreciate it. Let me give you uh, some information about uh, about musicals that I thought that was helpful to me. I've always loved musicals, so I have no issue yeah. with this at all. This has been my musicals are what I prefer, sure. actually. Um, but I was listening to uh, Damien Chazelle, who was the director of La La Land, and he also did um, the one with our guy, with you know the, the Whiplash. Oh, okay. Um, and he was talking about musicals because obviously doing La La Land was a total throwback, you mm. know. And he said, what I love about musicals is that you can express emotion in such a heightened way without having to come up with all the dialogue to explain mm-hmm. what love feels like. Because you can't – love is not something you can put into words or sadness. It, it's such a, a visceral um, experience that the, the dialogue often doesn't do it justice. Mm-hmm. So like in La La Land, did you see La La Land? No. Well, there's this scene that's kind of a famous scene where they are dancing and all of a sudden they start to like float into the sky and they're like dancing in the sky. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people made fun of it. Like, what is this? And he's like, how do you feel when you're in love? Right. But how do you express that through words mm-hmm. versus seeing that scene? You're like, okay, that is a demonstration so I think what you're saying is the music and the singing is a vehicle or a tool to get into your heart. Correct. As a viewer. That's it. Right. It's to, and also to relate. Like, you Whereas know. My, mo- the, my movie watching experience is I want to understand in my brain a good story. And you got to let go, man. And I got to let go. I mean, like when Belle comes out, what do you get in that first opening scene? You get the fact that that is her town, that she belongs, that she knows everybody. But how does everyone really feel about Belle? They think Belle? she's weird. They think she's a little strange. Now, do they hater or something Mm -hmm. no but that song gives you the impression of that they think bill uh, bell is wonderful smart beautiful all those things but they're also like she's kind of weird and and what's a better way to do that than through getting all those perspectives and um or she's different yeah um and you know also speaking of which when we talk about paradoxes later in the show Mm -hmm. i wanted to talk about emma watson okay in that regard okay so and then the last thing about the dr shafali thing is we came home to three kids who were not getting along so well yeah. And I don't want you to like say what was wrong, but we were in damage control, or I should say you were in damage control. Uh, I don't know if damage is the Well, right word. there was people writing notes saying, I'm sorry, under the <laughs> door. They, You could tell the energy in the house wasn't good. Like they were, I could tell through text. I texted, we were coming home, and I said, we're on our way home, and the message I got was K. Yeah, <laughs> right. So you knew something was up. So anyways, um, we got home. And I think the end of the Bulls game was on, uh-huh. so I was committed to that. You had you had to yeah, see it. I had no choice. You had no choice. Don't make me say. Don't make me say. Um, I have no choice. So what you did was you were upstairs with our three daughters. Uh-huh. Did you sit them? Uh, did you sit with them as a group or individually or both? Uh, both. And you were up there for like almost an hour. Yeah. And you didn't do any discipline. No. No punishments. No. No shaming. No. What, I, I hope not. What did you do for 45 minutes to an hour to because un, unwind the tension that was created? Because as parents, this happens all the time. So I think people listening would love to hear not what you said, but how you go about it. 
Well, I walked upstairs and no one was really, everyone seemed really frustrated with each other. And like you said, Scott, there was writing notes. Usually it's just two of them and then, then there's a bystander. But right. this time it was all three were roped well, in, right? It's it was a little kind of like a parental um, thing where... Skyler asked Cameron if she could do something. Cameron said no. So Skyler bypassed Cameron, went to JC, said, can I do this? And JC is kind of like, all right. So Cameron is a little more like me when it comes to caregiving, and JC's a little more like you. So basically what that means is that because JC's been babysitting longer, she has more trust and faith and that, you know, everything's going to be all right, and she's not holding on too tight. And Cameron's just – she's 12, so she's she's not usually home alone right. with her, but she's a little more like, can I see you when you're at the park? That yeah. kind of thing. So there was a little bit of maybe not purposefully, possibly purposefully, of Skyler pitting them against each other where there was a disagreement about what should happen. So basically I just sat down and said, just tell me exactly what happened, each of you, and and let's talk about it. And I and Skyler first told me her perspective and I said, I said, now you understand when you went over Cameron, you ended up pitting them against each other. So it created an argument because you were unwilling to either take the first um answer that mm-hmm. you were given or to say, Cameron, can we go talk about this with JC to do this in a way where you weren't making them against you? And she, and you know, she's so used to this stuff. She's like, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not yes, I know now punish me, but she's just like, yep, I did. You got me. She, you got, she's like, that's why I wrote the, you know, sorry notes. And then the other two, it, you know what, you guys, I don't need to go through every detail. All you do is just give them a chance to say their piece. And when they say their piece, you don't tell them why they're wrong. You know, it's kind of like there is no wrong answer. They're sharing their experience. And you say, oh, I understand. Or if they say something that's totally out of left field that is inappropriate or unkind, you say, now, wait a second, pull that back. What do you do when you ask one kid what their version of the story was and then the other kid jumps in and interrupts? Because well, that happens, it happens all, all the, the time. Adults do that right. too, right? So I just say, hold on, wait a second. Either you've already been heard mm-hmm. and so she has you know, she has to get an opportunity or don't worry, I'm totally going to let you explain too. Right. Because they do, and, and again, so what's the purpose of all this? The purpose of all this is how do we want to help our children problem solve? Because, you know, you would say, well, you know, why bother doing this in a situation where it really wasn't that big of a deal? You know, nobody really got in trouble. Sometimes it's a lot easier to help them learn how to problem solve in a in a, in a little crisis versus a big crisis, right? right? So this is an opportunity to say, okay, what did everybody experience? Now, can you see each other's perspective? Yeah, and when you say that, do they say yes? Eventually. Really? They don't say yes, mother. I see, you know, it's not a movie. It's just the tension decreases, the energy changes. Have you ever, one of my favorite things to do when I teach is at the very beginning, you know, you ask everybody to take a deep breath, you know, like, okay, you know, close your eyes, put your feet on the ground, take a deep breath. And after people do that, the whole room changes because it's like everybody's energy just kind of goes down to the floor a little bit more. They're more grounded. So that's what's happening in an argument between people is all the energy is up in the air. It's like I envision everyone's hair standing on end, you know, and then as everyone gets heard, the energy decreases which just by the nature of the energy decreases, opens up everybody's ability to hear and see each other. Mm. And so there's less confrontation. It doesn't mean that everybody leaves going, yes, you were. I was wrong, you were right. It's more like, okay, I get it. I don't think I was wrong, but I get why you think this was the right choice. So what was the energy, the outcome 
because uh, it doesn't always end perfectly, but that but that ended pretty well that night, right? Well, yeah, we we ended with having kind of a different plan for next time because I dropped the ball on something too, which was I didn't let anybody know who had the final say. Ah. And one thing that um, Cameron felt is that because she was downstairs more, that she was the one in charge. Right. And the truth is, is JC's 14. Mm-hmm. And so I said, in a way, Cameron, you can take that pressure off yourself because yes, you are helping, but JC is 14 years old. So she just by age is in charge. Now, that doesn't mean that she's going to override everything you do. And I said, you know, JC, you can't be, you can't, what do I always say to the girls? I'm like, don't pull power. Don't do that. Because when you do that, then you're just, you're, you're disrespecting your relationship. It's one thing to say, we need to do this for safety. Please listen to me. It's another thing to just say, I have power and I'm going to use it over you. Two very different things. So. We just, that was my ball and, that I dropped. And you use humor. Well, that was, at the end, we laughed a lot. Yeah. And how did you pull that off? I don't off? know. I mean, we just, I just started making Start making fun, fun of yourself of or the situation. Yeah. Or, we just like, they would say something and, and. And that cannot be understated. Yeah. Because we just get so serious about everything. So anyways, sweetie, hats off to you oh, for thanks. doing a good job. Well, in truth. And the Bulls lost that game. So there was a good and there was a bad. And the truth is, you guys, this is uh, just an example. You guys listening may have examples of this too, where it's just like a practice and it's a respectful discussion. Like one thing that when Todd and I are writing about the show, the words I always use are reflective and respectful discourse. And that's not just between Todd and I, but how do we have reflective and respectful discourse with our children? What do you mean reflective discourse? Reflective means we have to be thoughtful about what we're bringing. You have to be reflective about what you're saying in the midst of saying it, Mm -hmm. which is the definition of self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be, if you are in ego, then you have, and what what does that mean? You are in ego. If you really are just trying to win, you have to breathe through that and and either say, I can't have this conversation right now because I'm so stuck. Right. You got to know your own limitations. You do, or you have, or the, you know, the, the goal is hopefully in that moment to say, wow, that was very egocentric or, you know, to my girls, I'll say, hold on a second. Give me a second. Okay. Now, you know, it's kind of like, and, and as you practice this, the lag time gets shorter mm-hmm. where maybe when you're first doing this, you need to stay away from the conversation for 24 hours. And as you practice it, you're like, okay, I just need a minute to walk away. Right. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they, children are really no different than anybody else. And I don't really care what age they are. They just want to know that you heard them. Yeah. They just want to know, because if you start taking sides and saying, you're older, so you should know better, and you're just a kid, so you wouldn't have known better, baloney. The older ones need to be heard. The younger ones can take responsibility for themselves. I'm not saying, I mean, they're the one, I do say to the girls sometimes, your sister is nine. Right. So you have more mature skills. Your brain is a little more, you know, your prefrontal cortex is a little more built up than hers is. But at the same time, I don't let her off the hook and say, she's just the baby. She doesn't know. It's the other know. contradiction, right? It's the other paradox. It is. Right? The paradox is that she is indeed the youngest. So yeah. her maturity is great. And she can great, take responsibility. But she can take responsibility. And the older ones are the most mature, yet they need to be heard just as much Absolutely. as the younger one. Um, so real quick, before we get into the main topic, mm-hmm. um, there was something that you shared with me, and I don't want to say I was disturbed by it, but surprised. It has to do with our friend Cookie Monster. Oh, yes. So Very shocking information. I have two clips. Uh, one is like 10 seconds long, okay. and the other is like a minute long. And the fir- first one I'm going to play is what brought this to me. And then I just found something really awesome that Cookie Monster did on YouTube. So He only does awesome things. Here's Cookie Monster from YouTube. 
Did you hear what he just said? I did. He said his name was Sid. I know. Calling all cars. Cookie Monster's name <laughs> is Sid. Yes. First of all, how is it that I never heard that before? Second of all, I don't like the fact that he has a name other than Cookie Monster. What parent would name their monster child Cookie Monster? I don't know, but... And I'm not, like, really, really mad, but I don't know. I just don't like him having a first name. It's it, Sid. It, it minimizes who he is. I love Cookie Monster. He's Sid, comma, the Cookie Monster. Maybe. So here's the other clip, and I just was doing a search on Cookie Monster. So this is like a two-minute one. I'm not going to play all two minutes, but it's about a minute long, and it's called Cookie Monster, comma, Life Coach. <laughs> so all these people are sitting down, and Cookie Monster is a life coach. Okay. And it's really kind of funny. So... Here we go. It's about a minute and 20 seconds long. Sorry, I'm late. <clears throat> hey, Cookie. Hi, Michael. Wow, you know my name already. Yeah, you're Natalie. Yeah. Yeah, me Cookie Monster. Do I just start talking? Wait, pause you, it for yeah, a second. Sure, you can talk. Are these famous people? No, no, they're just regular people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Be listen. Um, sure. Uh, well. Do you ever try to be somebody that you're not really to make other people happy? Oh. Me making same face. Me like that face. I, I just lost another job. Um, Where'd it go? That's a good question. <laughs> Where'd it go? Just when I go to the grocery store, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll load up, I'll buy most of the things, but it's yeah. this, this kind of, this gnawing yeah. hunger that I can only fill if I'm... Eating a cookie, yeah, me know, me know that feeling. Yeah. You're going back to school. I am. Um, okay. It's been about 10 years. Yeah. I feel like I'm on an island that is being deserted. Are there cookies on this island? I don't know what to do, though, cookie. What do you, what do you like to do? I like... You like cookies? <laughs> Delicious, huh? He's oh, eating a cookie. Well, while listening... Keep it dry. You know what it is dry. My life is, is, is not moist. You need some milk. Exactly. When you're saying I should eat a yes. cookie, is that like my whole education? Yes. You eat the cookie! Um, nom, nom, <laughs> nom, nom! Uh, the video is as strong as the audio, so ho hopefully that landed. Oh, it did. It's hilarious. And I just started being a life coach about, um, I don't know, six months ago or something like that, and I am going to take cues from Cookie Monster. He's like, my life is not moist. <laughs> he's like, you need some milk. You need some milk. Oh, so there's Cookie Monster. God bless Cookie Monster. He said, and then I think we've talked about this on the show in the past, but Grover was a pretty uh, important part of Sesame Street when you and I were younger. Uh -huh. And he's totally like taking a backseat to Elmo. Super Grover. He's uh, around. I know. Who's higher on the food chain, Cookie Monster or Grover? Cookie Monster or, or Elmo. Well, I think Elmo's top dog. Oh, okay. Um, I think Cookie Monster probably gets more play. Yeah. Like, he, you probably see him on the show more. And randomly, this is so interesting, yesterday we got home and it, this weekend in Chicago is very rainy. We've been talking a lot about how beautiful it is in Chicago. Not so much this weekend. Not so much. Um, it is definitely April rainy season. But um, we got home and so my youngest and I were... Um, I keep hitting the microphone with my hand. Okay. Sorry. You'd people, think I've never done this before. You. I know. Um, but uh, my youngest was kind of bored. We were just kind of hanging out, and I, I was kind of joking. I was flipping through channels. She and I were trying to find something to watch while folding clothes. She's like, Sesame Street. 
And it was so fun to watch. Yeah, because she, she hasn't watched it in years. She felt very nostalgic. Yeah. She was a, like, Abby Cadaver. A nine-year-old feeling nostalgic. Hey, How about that? It's the truth. Um, our first partner is Canvas People, and you can find them at canvaspeople.com. What does Canvas People do? They uh, take, uh, it's an easy-to-use photo to canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories from your phone or your laptop and turns them into beautiful artwork that you can enjoy enjoy every day um so we have one actually i haven't put it up yet but i'm gonna hang it up in cameron's room i was gonna say it's in cameron's room i know very lovely i gotta do that it's a waterfall from seattle yes it's so it's a picture that she took Uh and the other thing i want to mention is you can put like if you have an inspirational quote you can add that to the The canvas itself Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you, but hanging framed stuff, we used to have to take the stuff to Michael's and frame it mm-hmm. and big heavy frame, whereas this is light and easy and mm-hmm. nail on the wall, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So anyways, so they have a special deal for Zen Parenting Radio listeners. If you put in the coupon code Zen, Z-E-N, you will get an 11 by 14 canvas. It's normally priced at $69.99 and it's free as long as you pay shipping. So instead of 70 bucks, it's free if you put in Zen. And Mother's Day is around the corner. So guys, or even girls, if you uh, want to give something to your mom. Um, it's or a, a friend or sister. It's a perfect gift. So anyways, that's canvaspeople.com. Coupon code is Zen, Z-E-N. There you go. Great. So what's the deal with the paradoxes? So I got a uh, email from uh, Danielle Laporte, uh, She's got a new book coming out called White Hot Truth, and I haven't read it yet because I don't even think it's out yet. You have to pre-order it, but um, I'm really enjoying all of her interviews about this book. I've been talking to Todd a lot about it, just about her perspective, um, which I, I won't even get into that. I could just go down so many so many places, but I won't. But this email that she sent regarding her book I thought was really um, interesting and, and kind of puts together what we talk about on this show, which is that true wisdom usually holds and transcends opposing points of view, okay? True wisdom holds and transcends opposing opposing points of view. Which so, is a little weird because if you think about it, if something is wisdom or truth, you think it's an absolute. So wisdom knows that there is always an exception to the rule, that there is a time and place, and that, that it is a case-by-case approach always. And if, I love this. I said this at the beginning. If you can comfortably hold your paradoxes, you're going to be just fine. And so I'm going to list some of these paradoxes she's talking about. And just to give you guys some perspective, because one of the things that I think is really important, uh, going back to what we were talking about when I was talking to my daughters about their argument um, last week, the reason that you have discussion where everybody gets to say their piece is because the truth is that all of them were right in some way, and all of them were probably wrong in some way, and that both are true. And so it's not that one person's wrong and one person's right, and it's a black and white thing, and this person gets a consequence and this person doesn't. Everybody plays a role in what occurred, even if it's a small piece, even if it's a piece that they didn't necessarily on purpose try and make something happen, everybody's energy contributes to what happens. So that's why it's important to listen. And and that's the truth about paradox is that things are not black and white. Things are very gray. So for example, the first one here is love yourself first and foremost, and always include the world in your loving and be more selflessly engaged. Mm. So we've been talking about that one forever. I I think this was my greatest awareness after I had children was the whole self-care thing, which is 
your most important priority is you. You have to spend more time with yourself if you're going to spend more time with your kids. That's the airplane thing. That, that's the airplane thing. And just by definition, that sentence doesn't make sense, right? Correct. It's a paradox. Spend more time with yourself so you can spend more time with your kids. What people do is they break it down too logically and they'll be like, well, I have this many hours or this many minutes in the day, so therefore I can only choose one or the other. And really, it's not just about the minutes. It's about who are you when you're with your kids. So if you spend more time alone and you get the opportunity, you know, to fill up or put on your oxygen mask or whatever it may be, you know, kind of retrieve your sense of self and and find some patience, then when you're with your kids, you're just better. Um can you read the very first thing that you uh, read sure. uh, on that? What's the top? Uh, true wisdom holds and transcends oppo- opposing points of view. Well, and what what I what I got out of that when you said it is a lot of times people are like, well, how do I parent? What do I do about technology? What do I do about grades? What do I do about whatever it is mm-hmm. that thing? Insert your own issue. And in most, maybe all, it's... There is no absolute. Mm -mm. On a Monday, you might say this, Mm -hmm. do it like that. Mm -hmm. On a Tuesday, you might do something opposite. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my God, that's confusing. But I think that's kind of what we're trying to convey on this podcast is that there is no absolute way to parent. Well, absolutely not. There is no absolute way to be in relationship with anybody. So I think the whole idea, and this is if I were to really go back in time and kind of explain what I think happens to people is... We, as we grow up, we're kind of, when we're really little, we're really open-minded to all this, where we understand that things come and go. We understand that there's good days and bad days. We understand that someone can be not all bad and not all good. We kind of get it. But as we grow up, we get into this educational system and this society that kind of tells us there's one way to be and there's one right, right way to do things and there's one way to be smart. And we get almost trained, like brainwashed. And so then we get through the educational system. And then it's the same thing with the job market. You get a job. You have to do, you know, re- resume one way interview this way, say this thing, you know, show up looking this way and be this kind of person because then you'll get a job. And then people kind of climb that ladder. And sometimes we figure it out in work. But if we didn't, then we have a child. And then we try and apply that same kind of rules to raising a baby. And it doesn't work. We try and say, well, here's the book. Here's the rules. You're supposed to go to bed. You know, they're going to either baby-wise their book or they're going to do the, what's the thing we did? We did Weissbluth in Weissbluth, Yeah, Weissbluth. And Mm -hmm. um, what I remember from that time many years ago was eat, activity, sleep. Right. Eat, get them rolling on on the ground a little bit, and then put them to bed. And that was also Baby Whisperer, I think. I don't know. I get them all confused. So that is kind of one discipline that we did sometimes. It Well, and when I was starting it, I wanted it to work yeah. the way that the book said. And so we, there were a lot of uh, book burning parties of that Weissbooth book because there was kind of like a, you know, this is when they should wake up and this is when they should take a nap. And then if the baby or the child wouldn't do that, you felt like there was something wrong with your kid. You're, yeah, you're doing it wrong. And the truth is, this is a human being. And so sometimes that pattern may apply to them. But what about when they're affected by the weather? What about when they're feeling like hungry or not feeling great? Or what if they have a little headache? What or if they what had if, a crappy night's sleep last right. night? Right. Or what if they're feeling really excited and joyful and they don't feel like going to sleep? It's not always negative. Right. I remember, you know, feeling, I'm, you know, talking about myself here, that anytime my child was a little off, then there must have been something wrong. Yeah. Versus maybe something's right. This is a human being. They're like, they because you remember like going in their rooms and you wanted, to be a, you wanted them to be to sleep 
be asleep so bad and they'd be standing up on their crib staring at you yeah. with the door open. And you're like, uh, something's wrong. You're like, oh my gosh. But really, they're like so excited to out. see you. I love crib time. I know. I know. It's such an interesting time in a human being's life. I know. Well, and cribs are just a really... I kind of love the idea of a crib. Just like, For this is my space. You want one? I need a grown-up crib. <laughs> How big would that have to be? I wouldn't have to be big. Just like the size of a small room. Well, there's something very, okay. And and this is kind of a paradox because I'm sure some people would say like, oh, it's like a cage. They're caged in, but there's also that feeling of being comfortable. Like Zen bunny. Total Zen bunny. Zen bunny can go anywhere in this house. It's a free range rabbit. And and sometimes she will spend a day in her cage with the door wide open. She just wants that containment. And we used to, one of my girlfriends used to have this house in Michigan where the um, beds were like, it was kind of like a built almost like a boat. Yeah. You know, like you down, felt like you're on a boat. It was like a nautical house. Yeah. yeah. And so Todd and I would sleep in this bed that like was carved out in the wall. Mm-hmm. And Todd just would love I sleeping it because he was like so contained. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it as much because we didn't have a lot of space, dude. Yeah, it was plenty. I know. It was a twin bed, you, I think. Uh, Todd can sleep through anything. Like this morning. Like all night last night. We have a sick kid. And she woke up and didn't feel good. And she often comes in our room. Um, I will wake up at the at anything. If I hear my child walking down the hall. Now, I don't really feel like I have insomnia because I can fall back asleep. Mm. So it's not as if I, but I can hear my kid from a mile away. Plus, she's a moaner when she gets sick. Yeah. So this one, she just does the whole like, oh, and time can and fall back asleep. Well, and I think the reason I have such compassion and empathy for her with that, because I used to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was a release. Yes. It's like all this crappy feeling in my body. It takes more energy to hold it in than it does to let it out. Well, it's called toning. It's a real thing. Okay. It, it's like a thing. I believe you. I didn't know that. Yeah. But so that is... Um, so anyways, I'm just, yeah, go ahead. I mean, they really like when kids make those noises, they're not doing it to bug you. They're doing it because like Todd said, but it is annoying for sure. Well, and you know what, what word I would use is that it's unsettling to my system. Like it's very like, it's a constant reminder that something is wrong with this little creature that you helped create. I want to solve it. It's almost like rubbing, you know, like when you rub a a rabbit or a cat or a dog's hair backwards and mm-hmm. so it like just feels uncomfortable. Right. That's what happens when I hear her moaning even though I know that it's a good thing and she's just letting it out. That's why in yoga sometimes we obviously we breathe and we release but sometimes we even sigh. Yep. Like you breathe in and you go ah, like yeah. that because that's Loud good for breath, your body. Right. Yeah, it's like good to let that out and and we're so like reserved. Yeah. Like our culture we just keep all of our sounds in. Um, well, you don't keep all your sounds in all the time. What do you mean? Snoring? Well, a lot of sounds. Are you getting, is this the X-rated version? No. What are you talking about? Oh, no. Oh, you're talking about farting? Yes. Oh, yeah. You, you gotta let it. You gotta let it out, man. You don't do that. You will, yeah, it, you'll explode if you don't let it out. <laughs> Todd feels that anywhere is fine. Almost anywhere. Business meetings, no, bad idea, but everywhere else, you bet. Yeah. Well, anyway. You're cool with that. Sounds. I'm more than cool with that. And I think everybody else is jealous of me for being, having the confidence and the capacity to do that. Because otherwise you get a stomachache. I don't want a stomachache. Well, here's, here's the problem with your sensitive wife is that 
I can smell everything. True. Like we actually, it's interesting because right now I'm struggling because we bought this new mattress pad for our bed and we let it air out. We put it on our bed and it smelled so bad last night. I had to leave the bed. Now I left the bed also because Skylar was doing her moaning. moaning. And so Todd's like, I'll rest with her. And I went in her bed, but it just smells awful. And I am, you know, when the girls take their shoes off, I can smell it. And, and it's not like, it's not like I enjoy that strength, that strong smell. Yeah, thing. you're like, you know how the bionic woman had good hearing? Actually, you have really good hearing too. Yes. Um, but your vision is starting to go. Oh, I look at me, but I got your, my glasses your right here. Hearing, uh, your hearing and your smell capacity is out is off the charts. I'm very sensitive. And, yes. and I say that with love for myself, not like, oh, I'm so sensitive, but like things are very, I was just reading an article today that I enjoyed. I tagged my friend Annie on it. It was called, why empaths have a hard time being with inauthentic people. And I was going to send it to you because I feel like sometimes I'll be telling Todd a story about being with somebody. And it sounds like I'm really judging them. Like, you know, for example, Todd, obviously we won't use names, but it'll be something on social network where someone's sharing something. Yeah. And I'll be like, there's something You'll in that that it. doesn't feel right, right. The to The motivation me. is not what... Yeah. Yeah, like the intention doesn't feel aligned. And and sometimes I hear myself and it's like, gosh, I sound like a really judgy person. Kind of like, oh, this isn't right and this isn't right. And I don't think I have like I don't think I know everything about what's right and wrong for people. It's not that I get the that I win the prize for knowing better than people. It's that I have a hard time being with un misaligned messages mm -hmm. is when someone is saying something and I feel from them something completely different, mm -hmm. then I can't like... It's it, the rubbing the cat the wrong yes, way. Yes, it's the rubbing the cat. The, thank you. for That's so great. Thank you for understanding that. I am I now understand it. That I is didn't so before. lovely that you just said that. It hurts. Like you guys can't see my face, but I'm making, I'm like contorting my face where like it's like when, when I read something and it doesn't align... It's kind of like why I struggle when people lie or when, you know, with government issues right now. You got anybody in mind? <laughs> I, it doesn't fit. And I see it visually. I'm like, this is not with this. And this is so it's not about my way is right. It's about their way. Is Your not makeup, you, the way God created you. Yeah. Is is against inauthentic messages. Yes. Whereas I have a much higher tolerance for something like that. Oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Blah blah blah. Move on to the next person. Whereas you are more like, no, that I, that affects me. It affects my it my innards. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm not one of those people who then needs to correct those people. Right. I don't need to get into an argument with them and say, no, you're wrong. I'm right. I don't think I'm right. I think that when I'm talking to you, you're not being real. Mm. Or when I'm reading your post, it feels unreal, and that that hurts my sensitivities. <laughs> okay. Anyway, total. Um, let's move back. Yes. Move back. Move back. So I'm going to give another paradox. Okay. No, let's hear it. Raise your standards and be more flexible and accommodating. And raise the roof. Raise the roof. I, I wasn't paying attention. Raise. raise your standards and what? Be more flexible and accommodating. Raise your standards and be more flexible. Both are true, right? Yeah. Because think about somebody who is, you know, a parent or maybe you are in looking for a partnership. Mm -hmm. And so you want to have high standards, yeah. right? You want to be like, I deserve to be treated a certain way. And I, I want to be with someone who is authentic yeah. or who is, you know, um, has an understanding of their emotional expression. They have emotional intelligence. And at the same time, you got to be, you got to play, you got to be chill. Yeah. You can't be like, everything needs to go the way I need it to go. And 
you know, if they have to cancel for some reason, you can let go. Yeah. And so they seem like they are polar opposites or they seem like if one's true, the other can't be true, but they're both true. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. What else you got? Um, number three, forgive and don't forget. Well, forgiving for me is it's not something you do for somebody else. You do it for yourself. Yes. Forgetting means don't get you don't get burned a second time. Yes. So if there's somebody in your life that really hurt you and you maybe trusted them or you thought of them as a good friend and they really hurt you, like Todd said, you will probably want to let it go because you're being constantly hurt. You're re-drinking the poison. You are, you know, thinking that if you're hurting, they're hurting, which isn't the case. So you do want to forgive so you can release and move on. But that doesn't mean you invite them over for lunch on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can have a boundary of I forgive you, but things have changed. And you don't even need to say that. Right. You just know it. Right. Next one. Honor spiritual tradition and be your own guru. Mm. This one I love. Okay. What does that mean to you? To me, it means that you got you and I were just talking about this upstairs. Say it again. Um Honor your spiritual tradition or honor spiritual tradition. It doesn't say your, it just says overall and be your own guru. Yeah. So to me, what this means is, oh, who was I listening to? Oh, I was listening to Russell Simmons on 10% Happier. Mm. With It's a great one. Okay. And I was actually going to send it to Charlie. But we have this guest coming up on Friday. Uh, his name's Charlie Rogers. Oh, yeah. I was going to pull some of that. And up. he is 17 years old. He's a junior here in high school in Elmhurst. And he's one of our best friend's son. And he is a vegan, and he is very into understanding our carbon footprint and, and what each of us brings environmentalist. to... Environmentalist. Environmentalist, yeah. And he's just so interesting. So we decided to have him on the show, and he, you know, he taught us things that Todd and I don't know, right? Right. Um, the whole idea. And just the whole idea of that we look at kids and we say they don't know, and he's more knowledgeable about these things than most adults yeah, are. Yeah, a 17-year-old kid was born in... 2000. 2000, So yeah. this kid who was born in 2000 is mm -hmm. teaching us a lot of stuff about environment. Pro protecting our planet. Right. And and taking care of our own inner, that's the thing, is he understands the connection, is take care of your own body, mm. and that helps us take care of the planet. And if you want to take care of the planet, then you can more easier take care of your own body, the whole veganism thing. But anyway, Russell Simmons was also talking about veganism, and he was talking about tradition, and he was talking about ritual, and he was saying, you know, I just feel like, of course we want to like listen to our elders and listen to wisdom tradition and listen to, if we have a religious affiliation, to listen, because listening is important important. But at the same time, we have to be conscious human beings and have and have it rub up against our own understanding of how we view the world. We just talked about this when we talked Correct. at the library. Yes. You know, I said, read your books, listen to the podcast, go listen to the people that you like speak. And then I think I, I maybe exaggerate it, but then forget everything you just heard and trust your gut because all this information that you're taking in on a daily basis because we're all taking information in on a daily basis, it seeps into our pores anyways. Right. And so maybe instead of forget it, because then that's too literal right. for people, is then put put the books put down, down and live. Right. And when something, you know, if a religious tradition or ritual or something enhances your way of being, mm -hmm. then you use it. Yeah. You and I were just talking about this in the office. Like... There are many things that you and I both pull from that people could call religious tradition or call ritual that we do very consistently. And at the same time, again, you know, and 
both. Um, there are also things that we're like, that doesn't, this part doesn't feel right. right. So instead of just saying, well, people say to do this, I have to do this. There is a sense of, we actually, you and Cameron just watched my big fat Greek wedding yesterday. Great. Love that movie. And I kind of was having those deep thoughts about that movie is that she What's her name in the movie? Tula. Tula. So Tula, if you guys remember, totally old movie, but she really, she's from this Greek family and she really loves them. So consider that her tradition, right? If it be, it's family tradition. And she wants to be close to them, but she also knows herself and she knows who she loves. And she loves a non-Greek guy. She loves Eon Miller. Eon Miller. (laughs) So that that's kind of the whole point of the movie is like she's painted herself into a corner because she's born into a family where you have to marry another Greek. So Or she feels she painted feels, into a corner, but right. what she realizes is she's not. Right. That there is a way to honor the traditions of your family and also have your own life. Yeah, Ian and took a bath in the church. He be and that and we love that scene where John Corbett is like, sure, I'll be Greek Orthodox. And Who cares? Because he loved her. Yeah. And because he didn't have anything that he felt he was going against, mm-hmm. he's like, Why not add to my life? Sure. And then and you know, because this helps me be with this woman I love. And again, some people may say, No, I could never do that. That's fine. That's fine this too. is a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a moment where he, they just did a good job with that scene because as he's being baptized, you can tell on his face he's so fine with mm-hmm. it. He doesn't feel put out Mm-mm. or put on. He no. loves her. Right. And um, so anyway. What else you got? Okay. So number five, be open-hearted and have clear, strong boundaries. That's an important one. Say it again. Be open-hearted and have clear, strong boundaries. That's a really important one. Well, you know how we had Alexandra Solomon on last Friday? Mm-hmm. She, in her book, Loving Bravely, which, again, I highly recommend, she talks about boundaries, and she talks about the difference between healthy boundaries, porous boundaries, healthy boundaries, and rigid boundaries. Right. Porous is you have no boundaries. Like, everything just comes in and out, and you're completely overwhelmed. Healthy boundaries is where... Things can come in and out, but you it's like living – I think she the example she gives is it's almost like having a fence around your house. Yeah. You know, like you you know what your boundaries are, but the fence isn't like a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it just it's helps you. It's a fence. And then there's rigid boundaries, which is a much more defense-based – What was based, the middle one? Uh, healthy. So, yeah. Porous. Por- porous. When I think of porous, I think I have some porous boundaries. Um, uh, the term that I might use is gullible. Oh. Like I, I feel like – You believe like, people? I believe people maybe before they've earned the right for me to believe them or I just want to think that everybody's always acting from their highest truth. And I think I have a little bit of that. Like I think I'm much more, if I'm one way or the other, I think I'm more towards the porous than the rigid. And a good way, I'm, I actually just have Alexandra's book sitting here because we just interviewed her a week or two ago, so it's still sitting on the table. And she talks about porous boundaries as being connected to people but not protected. Mm-hmm. So it's like we absorb or we take on things that are not ours. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, sometimes people with porous boundaries, it goes the other way where we intrude into people's lives where we shouldn't be. We don't so, have anybody in our life like that, do we? <laughs> everybody does, right? right? Everybody. Everybody does. has somebody that has uh, someone well, who's so intrusive. And the Greeks in that in that totally. movie, totally. Everybody's in everybody's business. Yes. There's no good healthy boundaries. There's no separation. Separation. And then healthy boundaries, you're connected to people, yeah. but you're protected. Yeah. So like the healthiness is we hold on to ourselves while we connect to others. So there's this. I envision it as grounding. Like a lot of times before, I'm going to do a uh, individual session with someone. I have to do a lot of. 
um, spirit work for myself, like white light and grounding and all that before the person comes in or else sometimes my energy gets confused with theirs. It's why I stopped doing individual work for like 10 years because my my energy was messed up, yeah. like where I didn't know what was mine and what was somebody else's. I, I got a better grip on that now. Um, and then rigid boundaries you're protected, but you're not connected. Don't let anybody in. That's right. And a lot of people, you know, we know many people like this will say, I have great boundaries. I just say no. And I just say, but they're not connecting to anybody. Mm. So they think they're healthy boundaries, but they're not. So anyway. That's a good one. Isn't that a good one? And I wish we could have talked, we should have Alexandra on the show again, because there's more in that book to go through. Um, Okay. Be understanding and don't take any shit. First of all, you just swore. Are you going to bleep that out? I don't know. Do you want me to? Well, I'm. This is. There's a lot of kids out there listening, and you just heard the S word. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm read. Daniel Laporte can kind of let it fly a lot, yeah. and I'm just reading exactly. So what, what is she it said. again? What's the cleaned up version? Be understanding and don't take any crap. Okay, be understanding. So what that means is it's it's one totally thing, paradoxical, right? It's one thing to be understanding of where someone's coming from. It's another thing to let someone trample all over you. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is like very scenario based. Yeah. Like if you and I had another story about how it's one thing if someone like shows up. I'll give you an example. If, you, if there's someone in your life who shows up late one night and they got there, you know, they said they'd be there at 530 and they show up at six and they're like, listen, I was stuck in traffic or my kid was sick or I had to drop someone off. And it's like, OK, I get that. But if this person is late Every single time. Yeah, it's the pattern. You you would be like, listen. Well, and that's good. You can put, bring that to emotional bank accounts too. Yes. Right, because if you miss one time, big whoop. But if you miss half the time, like 10 visits, five times you're late, that's really annoying to me. Totally. Right? Um, the next one. Yeah. I like this one a lot. Have a vision and then go with the flow. Mm. Have a vision and then go with the flow. Yeah, you need both. You have to have both. Like my version, yours is very different. My version is I make a um, a vision board and I cut out a lot of pictures and I write a lot of things and put it on the board and then I let go. And then we just kind of figure out what we're going to do from there. It's kind of like my right brain business plan. Yeah. Uh, Todd does an Excel spreadsheet of mm-hmm. everything he needs to get done. And I think from what you've told me, getting it out onto that Excel spreadsheet calms you. Yeah. I, I, I need a, a roadmap. Yes. Right. And my roadmap is pictures and quotes. Right. And, and my road is profit and loss statements and Excel spreadsheets and things like that. But regardless, and that's more like the uh, have a vision. Is that the first part yeah, of this one? Yeah, it's like it's have a vision and go so, with the flow. So it's a, this is an important differentiation. What you and I were just speaking about was the vision part only. Yes. Now let's get past the vision part. Now we go with the flow. Now the thing that like what I love about the vision board, especially we've got a big vision board for the conference in for the 2018 conference in our office. And we did the same thing in 2016 and 2017. I put things up on the vision board that I eventually take down. Right. Um, because I'm like, oh, that's not going to work that's anymore. That's the go with the flow part. That's a, or, oh, this I liked, but no, this isn't going to work. And sometimes it's people, sometimes it's quotes, sometimes it's pictures. And, and again, it's just allowing things to come and go and not thinking that your original plan was exactly the way it was supposed to be. Right. Um, how many more you got? Uh, I think like five, but I don't have to do them all. Pick two good ones. Okay. Um, and let's see. While you're thinking, do you want me to give you a few movie quotes? If you we want wait? to. Oh, can I do this one? Sure. This one I love. Lead with your heart and your head. Lead with your heart and your head. Well, this we've been talking about this forever. 
I tend to reside in my head more than my heart. Mm-hmm. And I need to balance that out. Other people live from their heart. You know, it's like the head in the clouds metaphor. Correct. Right? I think I think I'm more one side and you're more the other side. Yeah. And I have some Well, and that's polarity. It's funny. I was just listening to some Tony Robbins and he said it was interesting. He's like, um, people fall in love based upon what they have in common. Yeah. And people have passion based upon the polarity. Yeah. So talk about a contradiction. Yeah. Is it, do you find a partner that you have something in common with, or do you find a partner where there's polarity? Mm-hmm. And the answer is both. Mm-hmm. Because there's plenty of couples out there that are in love with one another, but there's no passion. Right. And then there's other couples that have nothing it's but passion, passion, but they can't stand each other. Correct. So anyways. That's, it's excellent. And I think that noticing that both need to be true, that yeah. you can't walk around in life and go, sorry, I just live with my head in the clouds and I'm just going to... There is some. Where are you? I almost feel like there's got to be a, like, um, like a picture, like you know, you got a picture of a person standing on the ground. Like, where are you? Like, are you closer to the ground? Or are you closer in the clouds? I think the idea would be you'd want to be somewhere on your waist. Mm-hmm. And I think you are maybe closer to your upper body, mm-hmm. and I'm closer like around my knees. Yes, you know what I mean. Absolutely, and that I think that that is okay. Like that's not something that I have to work on it and you need to work on it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And there are times that I can be very logical and there's times that you are very go with the flow heart centered. So it's not as if we have this inability to tap into those other pieces. It's that when Todd's like, (laughs) he was just showing me something, something with our taxes and he's getting frustrated and he'll show me something and he'll like be looking at it. Like, can you believe this? And I'll just start singing a song. Mm -hmm. Like I could care less now, but if Todd did not have the groundedness around our taxes, those taxes may not get done the right way. And so I appreciate, I'm not saying, oh, be like me. I'm saying, let me help lighten this for you and you help ground this for Well, me. and I think you just made a really interesting point. And this is my personal work because I kind of just, when I just came up with that scenario of a person standing on a ground and figuring out where, where do you reside, I thought... Um, when I came up with it, like we all need to reside around our waistline. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, Mm-mm. you could be much further up sure. and that's your center of gravity. Yeah, You just hopefully need to find somebody who's your partner who's probably the other way, no? Maybe. It could be another person or it could be your consciousness, Mm -hmm. which is consciousness basically is about being present and understanding what's really happening. There is is a connection to reality with consciousness. And and a lot of times, again, even talking about consciousness starts to get paradoxical. Um, But if you are awake then you can know that your head is in the clouds about something. And maybe like there could be two kind of more cloudy headed people that say we need to hire an accountant because that's what will ground us. It doesn't necessarily have to be that perfect version of the grounded person and the not, you know, there's many places in between. And I think that just recognizing that we all have a different way and that there is no, what we were saying before about we go to school and we get brainwashed that there's this perfect middle of the road where we are 50% heart and 50% head. No way. Mm -hmm. There's no way we're always like that. Well, this like the balance balance beam metaphor, like our kids, like you want them to be on the balance beam, but if you're holding their hand the whole time, they don't know how to stretch themselves. They don't know how to balance alone. If you're on your phone on the bench 30 feet away and they hit their head because you weren't close to them, 
then that's not good either. They didn't have a healthy boundary around them. It's again, it's a boundary issue. You know, the porous boundary is way helicoptering way too much. And then the rigid boundary is I'm going to sit over here. You do it yourself. And there's that place in between. Well, even like JC just printed up business cards because she wants to be a babysitter and all that. She already is a babysitter. Oh, she is. That's right. Um, And there's a part of me, maybe this is like collective consciousness or whatever, but I'm kind of like, all right, so these are your business cards. So go market yourself. She's never marketed herself. She doesn't know what that means. She needs me to hold, she needs us to hold her hand and maybe even, you know, because I want her to like knock on the neighbor's door and introduce herself and blah, and, blah, blah. And it's, what is that? I th- Well, that is m- me being like, you're going to have to figure it out for yourself, kid, because that's how I was taught. When in actuality, you get further to your goal, which is grow your daughter's babysitting business by helping her with the first few and then like maybe nudging her beyond that. And it's interesting because I don't even think about her marketing herself. Mm -hmm. Like I sent an email to some people I know saying, because I know when I had really little kids, I wanted to know about babysitters who were available. So I sent an email to some of my friends and said, oh, you know, she's available, blah, blah, blah. But she's also busy. So she's not available all the time. And I want her to do it in a way that is something she enjoys that's not anxiety provoking that does not make her too busy. I'm I feel like we need to stay out of it. Mm. I think we should let her um and and, and and my thing is, though, she's trying to save money for a computer. Correct. And she wants to get to that number as soon as she can. Correct. She can get there faster with our help. I know, but maybe this is supposed to be something she learns where- and it takes slower. She, it's, she's like, okay. wait, this isn't going well. And then that's when we say, how can we help you? Yeah. But I'm not, I don't need her to have a computer by a certain time, right. meaning she's got to learn what kind of effort she wants to put in. Yeah. And I feel like we, healthy boundary is we say, we're here when you need us, but I'm not going to go out and market you. Right. Like, that's your job. Well, yeah, but we also emailed our friends. We helped market her, well, right? Well, as I said, I already did that yeah. because she asked me to. Yeah. She said, let your friends know. Right. And I said, absolutely, right. I will. And I also am glad she got cards and mm-hmm. they look really cute mm-hmm. and they're awesome. I guess it's that the words are not going to do it justice. It's a feel. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I could say something and you'll say, but, mm-hmm. and then you'll say something and I'll say, but. Right. There's no perfect way to explain. All I'm saying is it's not our life. Right. And for us to say, you need to go knock on doors and do this and do that, that's our way. Yeah. And it may even be an outdated way because, you know, let's see what she can do. Yeah. And then if she's stuck, that's when we help. Right. So the last one, Last Todd, one, yep. I love this one. Own your extraordinariness. And your ordinariness. Mm. Isn't that a great one? By the way, Sheryl Crow had a good quote that you wanted to share. Do you remember what that was? Oh, yeah. It was in Rolling Stone. I don't want to be famous. Oh, I don't. She's like, I don't need to be great. I just want to be important. important. Right. And and many of you may say, well, what does that mean? Like important. She doesn't mean like self-important, like everybody has to know who she is. She, It's about if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well so that when people look at my work, they know that I've put effort into it and that I have shown up and done what I'm here to do. Right. So she doesn't need to be on every billboard. Well, and that helped me a little bit because there is an egoic part of me that wants instead of 8,000 downloads per podcast, I want 80,000 downloads Mm -hmm. per podcast. But we know that what we are doing is important work. And the reason we know this is because our listeners, bless them, email us and say, my gosh, you're helping me. Mm -hmm. That's the important stuff. And that 
that quote helps me remember that. Well, and I think the important stuff is we show up and you and I have a conversation and we feel good and yeah. the ripple. So it's not even about the emails are fantastic. Don't get me wrong. And I love them and I feel so good. But even if we weren't getting emails, we would still be doing, we would show. still be doing it. And so that to me is the grounding intention is how do we talk about how do you be a force for good in the world? And you may never know how you affected someone's right. life and you don't need, you don't say, well, I'll only keep doing it if I get reinforcement for it. Like I was, Russell Simmons, again, this that podcast I was talking about on 10% Happier with Dan Harris, I never really finished what I was saying about him, but I will say this. He said, "You, what we need to do is go out in the world and give. And he was talking about Lakshmi, who is one of the deities in Hinduism. He's a yogi. Okay. And that Lakshmi, her, the visual of her is she throws jewels at everybody. Hmm. She just throws, you know, she gives to people. And pictures of Lakshmi, she's surrounded by jewels. And the whole point of it is when you give away, you, you get. get. Yeah. And so it's not just about, oh, I need to give $10. It's not always monetary. It's about how are you sharing of yourself? And don't, you know, everybody needs to... You know, Todd and I need to make a living and we do need to monetize certain things so we can pay bills, but not everything. Like I remember one person said to me one time, because I get a lot of emails from people who need therapists and, you know, recommendations and resources. And she's like, you should start charging people for those. Do you remember that? Mm. I was like, what? So someone's going to come to me and say, do you have a recommendation? And I'm going to say, if you give me $10, I'll tell you. Mm. Not everything is monetized. True. What I have said to you, though, is you've put a lot of money into friends' businesses and there's like referrals and things like that that I've always encouraged you to do. Like, you know, if you send somebody a client uh-huh. that's a client for the next 10 years, there's a part of me like, yeah, I think you should get compensated for that. And you're not built that way. No, I don't think I need to be compensated because that's not. But the energy exchange thing, but right? It, what feels good to me is somebody came to me right. and then I gave and then I gave them a name and their life changed. Right. So there's, and again, I can look at the other parts of my life. I'll teach and do a presentation if someone's paying, like, I'm not going to get walked all right, over. That's the balance. Remember the one about, you know, what is the other one? Be open hearted and have clear boundaries. Yeah. Like there are certain things I do yeah, and I get paid. You charge people money for doing things and then you give things away. Yeah. That's how we do. That's how we be Lakshmi. That's how we show up. And the ordinariness, extraordinariness is that we're all special. Every single one of us has something extraordinary just in who we are, not in that I can play the piano and you can sew. It's that we all are just extraordinary because we're, we're, we're all different. The, but the ordinariness is you are no better than anybody. I don't care what your skill is. I don't care who you are. You are not better than anybody. This hierarchy that we have that we think we're better because where we're from or what job we have or our socioeconomic or our last name or our job, you are no better than anybody, but you are extraordinary. That's right. Um, so I'll save the movie lines till next time because we're an hour and four minutes. Wow, in. it's a goodie. It's quite a show. Mm-hmm. Um, a few quick promotional things. I am a coach for guys. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. Guys, if you're listening, uh, what we do is we figure out where you are and where you want to go, and we come up with a plan of how to get there. It's that simple. First session is free, toddadamscoaching.com. We also have an iTunes review uh, from TT. And he says, or she says, I've listened to a few episodes now and I've thoroughly enjoyed them all. It's a great podcast that creates great atmosphere to learn, to look within for both self-growth as well as helping the growth of your children. 
keep up the great work, you two. So thank you. And he or she is from the USA. Um, We do have a goal of, uh, speaking of goals, 10,000 podcasts per episode. No, um, 10,000 listeners. Downloads or listens per episode. Thank you. And we're somewhere between seven and eight. So we've set a goal for ourselves to do that. So if you guys can do anything you can to help us spread the word about our show, uh, tag people on Facebook, sign up for our um, email you can actually go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, and it says subscribe to the podcast. So you'll get an email with all the new podcasts, and then you can forward it to people. Yeah. It's probably the easiest way if you really do. Because what I've been saying on Facebook and Instagram lately is if the show makes you think of somebody, tag them in the comments. Because a lot of times we'll listen to a show or we'll say something, and you'll think about your friend or your spouse, or and you'll want them to listen. So you just tag them, and that just kind of helps. That's the grassroots kind of growth. Or really, I think the easiest way to share it is most of us listen on our phone. There's there's that little arrow button and it says share. You can share via text, share via email. Oh, so cool. that's even uh, easier. So, and then uh, um, Zen Talks, Zen we didn't Talks. talk about that. We have so many wonderful people subscribing to Zen Talks. So thank you very much to those of you who have subscribed. I've been kind of emailing with them already, uh, sharing some things that, you know, because we don't even start until May 10th. But if I think of a, if I finish a book or I find an article, I've just been emailing it to our subscribers. Um, so anyway, Go to zenparentingradio.com, click on um, events, and you can subscribe to Zen Talks. Really, all it is is like three extra podcasts a month, but they're video podcasts. So you can see us and you can ask questions. Super simple. I send you the link, you jump on. If you can't jump on live, um, then we'll email you the uh, video podcast. So you'll get it no matter what. That's right. Um, and last but not least, we have our other two partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. That's Dr. Kelly, chirotree.com. And then Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. And that's avidco.net. So that's the dealio, sweetie. Be extraordinary and ordinary. That's like going to be my new thing. I love that. Thank you, Dan La- Danielle Laporte. And thank you, listeners, for going on this journey with us. Charlie Rogers, this Friday, vegan, 17-year-old, extraordinary, wonderful kid. I think you'll get a lot of the interview. So catch you guys on Friday. All right. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com, and uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.